it's Rachel Parker for the Heartland Pod. Normally, you guys hear me on Mondays, uh, where I I talk politics on Talking Politics with my friend Sean Diller and my friend Adam Summer. And uh, I like to also jump on the mic and do interviews. And I think we're going to be doing some more of that um, because Adam can't do everything all by himself. I've learned that he's human lately, which is weird because he is probably the most productive person I've ever met in my life. So I forget that he's a human being, but he is. He's human. He has children. He likes to sleep. It's weird. So hopefully uh, you enjoy the chats that I do because you'll probably be hearing some more of them. And I just want to be clear like about the chat that I'm about to do. Uh, this was a very friendly conversation with someone who I very much support. Ray Reed is running for Congress in Missouri's 2nd District. I think the 2nd District's primary is what more primaries in the state of Missouri should look like. Two very different candidates. It's a diverse field. Um, Trish Gunby is a, a relatively new to Missouri politics, but she is a lawmaker in Jeff City. And she is smart and clever and sincere and earnest. And I would not personally really want to run against her in a primary. I'm sure it's really tough. And Ray is um, is different than Trish. He's young. He's only 25 years old. And he's made a big splash because he's one of the first members of Gen Z to run for Congress. So what, again, what you're going to hear is not me grilling a candidate about his position. Because I know what his positions are. We know each other very well. And he, he reached out to me late last week and asked if, um, if he could come back on the pod again. And we have a very, we're, we're very generous with particularly grassroots candidates on the pod. Um, if they're a Democrat and they're running, uh, in any race, um, we're, we're pretty supportive, generally speaking. So, uh, you know, I, of course I said yes, uh, naturally. And I would say yes to Trish and I would say yes to Lucas Kuntz and I would say yes to Spencer Toter and I would say yes to Shruti Bush Valentine and I would say yes to pretty much anybody who's in the race right now. But saying Ray, yes to Ray is a little bit different for me because he's a pal. And um, we, you'll hear that uh, as we chat that we clearly um, have spent a lot of time together. But he said something I thought was really lovely. He said that um, he reminded me that the Heartland Pod was his first podcast that he'd ever been on, his first interview. And he said, I started with the Heartland Pod and I want to end with the Heartland Pod. So we're gearing up for the actual primary on August 2nd. I was so humbled that he said that to me that how could I say no? So I hope you guys enjoy my very, very, very friendly chat with my good friend, candidate for Congress, Ray Reed. Let's have a chat. So sitting in front of me on a virtual, uh, a vir- in, a, in a virtual sense, is a congressional candidate for Missouri's 2nd District. Mr. Raymond Reed. That's what it says. I call him Ray, but I guess that's your full name. I never thought that you were, I never, for some reason, it's never occurred to me that you're actually Raymond. Yeah. But really? Really? Here's Ray Reed. My, yeah. Really? Only my mom calls me Raymond. Um, on the ballot, even it says Ray Reed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it first came up on Zoom, I was like, who is Raymond Reed? I was like, oh, duh, that's really stupid. Um, so how are you? What's going on? I'm doing good. I am excited. Um, honestly, Rachel, I'm so happy. I feel guilty. <laughs> We're having a ball of just meeting folks in the second district, inspiring kids. This whole process has been so amazing. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to talk to you about that. So we met, uh, and I, I have to own it. Like I was pretty shitty to Ray online when I first met him. <laughs> Um, it was on, uh, it was over Facebook, I think. And, uh, I tried to ask you a question and Facebook's algorithms made it look like you blocked me. And I was like, what the H? 
I'm just trying to ask you some questions, man. So you did the right thing and like reached out and messaged me. And I was like, forget it. Whatever. Like I was just like not really in the mood. You know how that is. And I was not in the mood. And then like, I don't know, maybe like a five or six days later, you were on the Heartland pod. And I was like, oh my God, what an intelligent, thoughtful, like inspiring person. And I reached out to you and I was like, I'm so sorry. Can we start over? And then we met and had coffee and I felt like the first time we sat down, there was just something that we kind of both understood about this region. Like, I feel like we both kind of immediately grabbed onto this idea of we don't have to do things the way that we've always been doing them just because that's the way everybody else is doing it. That seems to be kind of one of the things that we really kind of both um, jumped onto. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, does that make like, does that resonate with you? Or am I just pulling yeah. this out of <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I think, and maybe it's true for folks even outside the district that folks are ready to be inspired again. Folks are ready to be excited again about politics. Yeah. And a little bit hopeful about yeah. the future of their nation. And I, as we were talking about it, as we were, we were having that conversation, and we, you know, we the conversation ran the gamut because you know a lot of the people that I talk about, you've worked with them. And but I have a, a pretty decent knowledge base about, you know, politics in Missouri and kind of the ailments of the Democratic Missouri Democratic Party. And um, so we were able to have a pretty high level conversation. But that is exactly what we both kind of agreed upon is that there is a way to be critical of society's issues without making people feel like they're at fault for them. And I think that is a very difficult balance to strike in a campaign. Can you talk a little bit about how you were able to do that? Cause I don't think it's easy at all. I think it's actually very difficult to do that. Yeah. It's super hard. And you know, some people may be a little bit frustrated when you, when you go out there and talk about it, but what's even more frustrating is the fact, uh, or is the reality that a lot of folks live in. You know, Missouri is a 50-50 state. I don't care what the majority looks like in the state legislature. I don't care what our congressional de delegation looks like. We're a 50-50 state. Uh, we're still pretty purple. Um, and I think Democrats really only lose here when we give up. And honestly, I'm not ready to give up on Missouri. Um, I think Missouri is worth fighting for. So I'll ask you another question because you're, you're a, a, a smart man. And you've been following this bre this breadcrumb trail for quite a while. Um, when we when we first met and started talking about kind of like how Missouri got to where it is, you and I both kind of agreed that the 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 problems really didn't start with Claire McCaskill's loss, but Claire McCaskill's loss left a massive vacuum in sort of the infrastructure of of Missouri Democratic politics. Do you still think that's true? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, when when Claire lost, a lot of people, you know, kind of felt like there wasn't much hope for Missouri. Um, right. Because you got to think about it. Claire was gone. Jay Nixon was gone. And Jason Kander was gone. The three biggest fundraisers for Missouri Democrats of the 21st century are all gone now. And now we really only have Congressman Cory Bush, who's doing an amazing job. But, you know, still too many folks, you know, aren't necessarily adopting that brand of aren't necessarily adopting that brand of democratic politics because they're afraid of what Republicans will say. Um, you know, right, sure. 
in my race, we're running as a progressive. We're, we're just running as a straight progressive. We're not afraid to fight for progressive values. Um, and I think that's kind of earned respect of a lot of voters in our district when we're just straight with them. You know, I, I tell literally everyone, I'm about as straight a shooter as you'll find in Missouri politics. Um, I, I tell you, I care about uh, X, Y, and Z progressive issue because I care about families, working families in the second congressional district. Um, I think a lot of folks in the second congressional district, you know, uh, they're okay with voting for someone who's a little more progressive, uh, so long as that they know that they're fighting for those progressive issues because they believe it's the right thing and they believe it's gonna help their families. And that's pretty much how we crafted, uh, how we crafted all our policy throughout this campaign. What I think is so interesting about just my short time um, in this region, and for people who are not familiar with Missouri's second district, we're basically St. Louis County. St. Louis, the greater part of St. Louis is broken up into two congressional districts, the CD1 and the CD2. The lines are fairly arbitrary at this point, especially. But uh, so we're talking about a, a, a definitely a very purple part of, of St. Louis, which just got a little bit redder because uh, they cracked and packed the district way, way, way west. Um, and what impresses me about the way the primary has evolved is that both of the candidates, both you and, and your and your opponent in the primary, are unabashedly progressive politicians. Neither like in the, in the time so so since 2018, which was um, my first midterm cycle as a St. Louisan. There was a lot of, and, and then again in 2020, there was a lot of kind of hedging around like, what are we going to say about healthcare? What are we going to say about minimum wage? What are we going to, and now there's two candidates that are duking it out for the opportunity to run against Ann Wagner in November, who both say, well, I want Medicare for all. I want a higher minimum wage. I believe in the Green New Deal. So what are some of the areas that you think maybe you're a little bit more, I'll say aggressively progressive <laughs> than, than um, some of the other folks in the race? The difference between myself and my primary opponent is, you know, I'm a little more progressive. I'm a little more willing to fight for uh, progressive issues like a Green New Deal, for example. You know, when I talk about a Green New Deal in this kind of district, um, we talk about preserving Missouri's natural resources and we talk about uh, protecting farmers and their crops for seasons to come. Um, and we're also a little more proactive, uh, the proactive candidate in this district. You know, a few weeks ago, I made the trip to Congress, uh, meeting with members of the House and Senate, met with Senator. Joni Ernst, uh, Senator Lisa Murkowski, uh, Mitch McConnell, Senator Chris Murphy, doing the job that Ann Wagner should, should have already been doing, which is building consensus around common sense gun control, which turned into the bipartisan framework, which then turned into the Safer Communities Act, which is now the bipartisan Safer Communities Law. And, it's, and just to be clear, it's not everything, but it is something. And it's a lot more than Ann Wagner has done to protect kids in schools uh, in the last 10 years she's been in Congress. So, you know, we're definitely the proactive candidate. You know, we're using this platform we've been given to actually fight for progressive values. How long have you been campaigning now? Jeez. <laughs> Since last September. Okay. Um, so it's been a minute. Officially. But, yeah. you know, we've been, yeah, we've been going pretty long right so i i have to, i asked you that because um i mean no one's completely indefatigable i mean everybody at some point has like a a, a point where you're you just have your body has to stop and but every time i talk to you we chat a fair amount 
you genuinely sound like you're having like you're really enjoying the process and it doesn't sound fake it doesn't sound like you you're like well i gotta sound like i'm having a good time because i'm gonna talk to somebody who like records a podcast and i don't want to admit that i'm talking you actually always genuinely sound like this is the thing you want to be doing right like the energy is really up and i've listen i've i've talked to a fair amount of candidates in my, in my in my life and certainly since i moved back to st louis and i've talked to plenty of people that when i say how you doing they'll tell me and i'll be like okay you just told me you were tired and exhausted and i genuinely you genuinely seem like this is sort of feeding you in a sense what is it about campaigning that gives you that sort of sense of joy all the time? Um, yeah, I love campaigning because honestly, it's it's the folks here in the district. Um, they give me so much energy. You know, I told the story of how this campaign didn't start in the consulting offices. It didn't start in the hallways of Washington. It started at a bonfire in a backyard of Kirkwood. Um, and it made its way into like the living rooms of Chesterfield and then it migrated to the front doors of town and country. You know, what's given me so much energy, so much optimism is the folks that we're meeting in the district, um, the stories that we're hearing, and overall the young people were inspiring, you know. I, I kind of had a feeling that, you know, we get some attention and uh, because I'm 25 years old running for this office, but my generation's kind of given me that validation that, you know, we're on the right side. We're doing, we're making them proud. <laughs> we're doing the right thing. So, yeah, I think it's just a mix of everyone that we've come across uh, having so much hope and optimism because of what we're doing. You've been doing the rounds lately. What, you were featured in, uh, in an NPR story. You were just on MSNBC last week, right? And so... I feel like you kind of woke everybody up to the true nature of what this district really is. I think people look at Ann Wagner and think like, you know, that, that she's a representative of her district. And I think that increasingly that is, I've thought this for a while, that that is, that that is no longer true in, in your preparation. When you're talking to all these folks that work for, you know, these various like, you know, larger media outlets in the Heartland pod, what is something that you think you're educating those people with? Like, what is it that you bring that people are like, seriously? Like, what, you know what I mean? Like, what, what is the stuff that, that, that you give to them that you think they walk away with with a different understanding of what our little town is like? I think that everywhere we go, uh, we're, I'm bringing two things with me. I'm bringing St. Louis with me, and I'm bringing my generation with me. So, you know, Ann Wagner and Republicans have given Missouri a bad name for far too long. Um, and I think when we, whenever I go on national TV, where whenever I give a, an interview, I'm giving folks, giving folks the, you know, the feeling that maybe they should look at Missouri again. Maybe that Missouri is worth fighting for. Um, no one can see this, but I'm just nodding. I'm just like, I'm just like furiously <laughs> nodding along with what Ray's saying right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we're just giving folks a little bit of hope, you know, after the 2016 election and those four years under that president and a pandemic, folks remember what it's like to not feel hope. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we're giving folks, you know, something to look forward to, um, showing them that there is a future here in Missouri and that the future is limitless so long as we all participate. Hey folks, Adam Summer here. Just wanted to remind you, you can get signed up for 
our Patreon. You can get links to all of our shows, information about our hosts and what we do over at heartlandpod.com. Sign up for our Patreon. You get extra episodes, extra access, exclusive merchandise that we just send to you. We're just going to send it to you. It's pretty cool. You can also follow us on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and of course on Twitter. We love to interact over there with at the Heartland Pod on Twitter. Just search for us and find the three leaves. Any place you find podcasts or social media will be there. Give us a rating if you can. Five stars. Really appreciate it. And now let's get back to the show. That's awesome. Okay. So I want to hear one story that you think is like your best day on the campaign so far. And then I want you to tell me about your worst day on the campaign so far. Okay. Um, So my best day and my worst day are actually in the same day. And it was the day of the Uvalde school shooting. So it was a normal campaign day. Uh, We had knocked a few doors. Uh, We were sitting in the office. um, And Megan, uh, my communications director, uh, she came in and told me that, you know, there were, there was a school shooting in Texas and uh, it wasn't clear how many folks had passed away or if there were any injuries, but, you know, it's, I had already been championing uh, action on gun control. So she was just letting me know. And I said, okay, um, I'll like get together a few words for us to put out like in a statement on social media about, you know, we need action on gun control. There's a school shooting. Um, And then she came back in a few minutes later and told me how tragic uh, that event was. And when I say like, Rachel, my heart just sank through the seat. Innocent lives, kids, um, I am a member of the school shooter generation. I learned how I, I learned how to participate in school shooter drills before I learned how to read. Um, so this one hits home for me, and it's definitely a perspective we're taking to Congress. So yeah, that was that was just the hardest day. Um, thinking about all the kids in this heavy heavy suburban district, um, how many kids go to school here? How many parents send their kids off on the school bus or, dro- or drop them off at school? Um, expecting them to be safe. And our sitting congresswomen have done absolutely nothing to protect those kids from gun violence in schools. Um, if it happened in Uvalde, if it happened in Chicago, if it happened in Parkland, Florida, Newtown, Connecticut, it can happen in Kirkwood, it can happen in Webster, it can happen in Ladue, um, it can happen in Chesterfield, Parkway School District, it can happen anywhere here in our district. So this district needs to be on the forefront um, on gun control but what gave me a little bit of hope, um, why, why that was also, you know, a good thing was that I spent the entire rest of that week only meeting with kids. Um, when I say kids, I'm not talking about like high school and college volunteers. I'm talking about uh, children. Five, yeah, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, 10-year-olds. Um, just meeting with them, talking with them, explaining how government works and why I'm going to Congress. And, you know, there was this little girl who said, who said to me, you know, I'm afraid to go to the bathroom um, because I'm afraid someone's going to walk in my school and shoot me. And that, like, I kept together in front of her. Um, but then she ended it with saying, you know, I hope you go. I hope you'll go to Congress to stop all the bad guys from coming into my school. And that just gave me so much like hope and optimism, um, and like the belief that you know we have to win this for those kids. We have to protect these kids in school. So let's just think about who Ann Wagner is, the kind of politician she is. I, I've stopped 
assuming that she was ever going to do anything that would surprise me. But ha- have there been any, because you're her constituent. I'm not her constituent. I, I To some extent, I can, I don't want to say ignore her because that's not true, but I, I'm not as, as aware of her votes. Has there been anything that she's voted on uh, this session that would remotely do anything for the state of Missouri? I mean, it just seems like she's just a down-the-line anti- Biden member of the House of Representatives. Is that true? Or did she do something? Was I snoozing? Rachel, Rachel, you know, uh, I gotta, yeah, I gotta say this. Um, President Obama gave us the blueprint um, in these midterms. And he said, really simply, Democrats have a story to tell. We just got to tell it. And part of telling our story is also telling the other side. Um, And the story you know, the story of the Republican Party is that the very theme of their party is to stand in opposition to all the progress that we want to make in America. And Ann Wagner is no exception to that. So, you know, Congresswoman Ann Wagner, she's voted on the wrong side of just about every good bill we've gotten through Congress, uh, even the bipartisan one. So while our Senator Roy Blunt, who I actually admire, admire and respect Senator Roy Blunt, um, he voted for the infrastructure bill, but Congresswoman Ann Wagner wanted to give such, she wanted to, you know, give Joe Biden a loss uh, and a loss to working families here in the district that she voted against the infrastructure bill. She didn't care about working folks uh, or folks with lower income during the pandemic uh, that she voted, you know, not to give them survival checks or to give doctors and nurses the equipment that they needed uh, to fight off the pandemic. Yeah, I don't have anything good to say about Ann Wagner. I was going to see if you did. I was just going to be like, maybe Race has the... I, I can't stand her. She um, she regularly uh, stands people up. So she never has constituent meetings. There's never any energy outside of her office. Um, I knew people that, that uh, held pretty constant vigil outside of Ann Wagner's office when Trump was president. And this was when she was trying to get rid of the ACA. And um, one of those people had cancer and she's like me, she's self-employed and she wanted to speak with Ann Wagner's. Oh, I just forgot his name. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about her at the time. I'm not sure if he's still there, but her then chief of staff, this woman I know tried to make an appointment with Wagner's chief of staff just to sit down with him and say, this is what will happen to me if I lose my health care coverage. Like, this is how important this is. I can't go get a job right now just for the sake of health care because I'm getting chemo. Like no one's going to give me a job because like no one's going to want me on their insurance policy. She wanted to say all these like rational things and they canceled on her like three times. I mean, like she went to the office and like knocked on the door and there was nobody there. It was unbelievable. Just completely neglectful, no respect for any of the voters. So you said something that really touched me about like, well, about scheduling this conversation. And you said, I think I'd forgotten this, that the Heartland pod was like, kind of your first like we were your training wheels right we were your first actual like on-air interview so to speak is that right yeah yeah at a time when no one else believed that you know giving a microphone to a then 24 year old candidate for congress was worth it um the heartland pod took a shot on this kid and (laughs) now (laughs) npr msnbc cnn uh usa today teen vogue now they're all asking for interviews. Now they're all, we had them first. So I love that you said, so we're getting close to the end of the campaign, the, the primary mm-hmm. cycle, um, very close to the end. What do you have in store for the next couple of weeks? Like, is there anything like that you have coming up that you're super excited about? Or is it just going to be like hitting the ground every day, knocking doors, 
making calls. What you got going on? So we have some very, very, very special people who will um, voice, <gasps> voice um, support for <laughs> yeah, voice support for us in this campaign. Um, some folks that we all know and love. But these last few days is all about you know telling the story for Missouri Second District and really the state of Missouri for the next ten years. You know this campaign has always been about the future and looking at the last 10 years of Congresswoman Ann Wagner, you know, we, we know what her agenda is. Her agenda is to stand in opposition. Our agenda is pure prog- it's progress, pure and simple. So, you know, we're fighting for Missouri for what's going to look like 10 years from now when, you know, I'll still be pretty young, but <laughs> well, we're, we're fighting the good fight. Um, and yeah, we have some, some pretty cool things in store for these last few days of the primary campaign and going forward into the general. I'm so excited. I want to I want to end on a, a a sort of a a philosophical note. If Ray Reed whatever this is, July what's today? July 12th, is that right? Mm-hmm. July 12th, 2022 Ray Reed could call Kirkwood Backyard Bonfire Ray Reed and <laughs> drop some advice, like a piece of advice that you wish that you could give yourself 20 months ago or whenever that was. Um Get plenty of sleep now because you'll get none later on. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I'd say uh, continue to trust your gut. Your gut's always going to be right. You've done that a lot. You know, it's it's a pretty poorly kept secret that you and I are friends now and that I'm a big supporter of yours. I think everybody kind of gets that at this point. Um, And, uh, you know, I'll just close again that Sean Diller, who I co-host Talk of Politics with on Monday, is involved with... um, your opponent's campaign. I'm not directly involved. I'm more just a r- official Ray Reed cheerleader. That's my that's my role. Sensei. I don't know, like voice of voice of reason when you need one. And um, I've come to appreciate that you have a lot of substance as a human being, and that you are uh, certainly I would say wise beyond your years. But that sounds patronizing, and that's not entirely um, what I want to say. I, I think I'm just going to throw it back to you. You said, so the thing you said to me that I, I found quite um, touching was you said, so I started with the Heartland pod and I kind of want to like introduce the end of my, of this campaign cycle with the Heartland pod. How would you like to end that? Cause you talked about a lot of, I remember the, the conversation you had with Adam, you talked about the women in your life. Um, you talked about kind of being the change that you want to see in the world. You and I, not long after, talked about, you know, Missouri's a 10-year project. We have to rebuild. We're starting over from ground zero. And I guess I'm just going to throw it back to you and say, like, what would you like to add to that now? Yeah, um, we've made a lot of friends and a lot of great people throughout this process. Um, And my message to all of them um, as we approach this election day is um, if you're a candidate, people gave up some of their hard-earned money to support you in your races. Um, They knocked on doors for you. They either came out in the cold, came out when it's incredibly hot. Missouri summers are brutal. (laughs) Especially Uh, this one. This one's just got it out for us. This one is just like, I'm I'm punishing everybody this summer. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. My message to, you know, to those candidates is, you know, what matters is what you stood for throughout this entire campaign. Uh, those beliefs, uh, you fought for them because you believe that they're the right thing to do. And that doesn't disappear after this election. Um, so my entire 
goal in life is to use the platform given to me to bring up an entirely new generation of leaders. Um, I'm only concerned with um, bringing up as many people as I can uh, because when a million of us try, a few of us are gonna get through. So, you know, my message is to stay in the fight. I'm in the fight with you guys, uh, 10 toes behind all of you on the ground. And I got your back. Who are some of the other, um, and you've supported, I just, I think it'd be fun to give some shout outs to since we're, uh, ending on a high note, who are some of the other people that you, cause you've worked on, you've done some work with some other candidates outside of Missouri. Mm-hmm. You just appeared with Maxwell Frost. Remind me where Maxwell's running. Yeah, my brother Maxwell. He's running in Florida's tenth <laughs> right. congressional district, man. And you were campaigning in Chicago. Yeah, for Nabila Saeed. She's running or she is now the Democratic candidate. <gasps> I'm so happy we got her elected. Oh man. Binary. Yeah. Um uh, she's now the Democratic candidate for Congratulations. Fifty first state house seat. Um yeah, uh, Nabila is great. I really believe that, you know, she could be the, f- the future of the Democratic Party. I think she represents the future of the Democratic Party. Is there anything else that you want to say? Can I give a shout out to the Heartland Pod? You can do whatever you want. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, like Rachel said, um, this campaign began and ended with the Heartland Pod. So I just want to say thank you guys for uh, standing up and giving voice to folks uh, running running for office throughout the Midwest who might ne- not necessarily have a microphone. Um, I think you guys have built something really special here, um, and I really can't, can't wait to see where you take this in the next few cycles. Um, I really love the Heartland Pod, and everyone should give it a listen. Well, they're listening to it now, so we're going to thank them for listening. It's very generous. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. We have a pretty uh, open policy here at the Heartland Pod, which is, if you're willing to throw yourself into particularly a, a, a congressional, a U.S. congressional house race, there is a big lift from running for like a, say a state house seat, which no, like mad respect for those people too. We talked to a lot of those folks. The minute that you start to decide that you're going to try and represent a house district, the amount of effort, time, commitment, energy, skills, everything that you need, it all just goes up a level. Um, so we always just want to make sure that we are very vocal about how much we appreciate how difficult that is to do. And I want to thank you, Ray Reed, for your positivity and for reminding me that, um, I'm allowed to be hopeful for the future because it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget, especially because I'm older than you are. Um, did I tell you that I realized that we are the same age difference as my mom and I were. <laughs> so congratulations. Uh, yeah, my mom was uh, was 25 years older than me. Anyway, um, so thank you for reminding me that even at my um, wizened, wizened age that I have, I can, I'm allowed to be hopeful, that I'm allowed to be optimistic, uh, even when things just feel so incredibly dark, because they are, they're not good right now. Um, but I do think that if we continue to support each other, there is, there is definitely hope. So thanks for reminding me about that. Thank you, Rachel. Um, yeah. So where can folks find you if they want to go, if they want to give you some, cause you, you, you probably would like maybe just a few more campaign dollars to just push through the end of the cycle. I'm guessing. It's just oh, me yeah. guessing. 
Yeah, you can go to at Ray Reed Mo on all social media. Um, the link in the bios now uh, are our donation links or our mobilized links. So you can either uh, donate to the campaign or you can sign up to knock some doors or you can attend some of these special events we have coming up. I'm um, very excited about the special announcements. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I don't know what they are. Uh, I have no idea what that. I'm going to be surprised with everybody else. So that's super exciting. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some we've got some fire coming for you guys. Um, but yeah, so yeah, go ahead to all of our social media or at Ray Reed Mo across all platforms. We're fighting for Missouri. Um, that's the bottom line, and I'm excited for this fight. Well, thank you so much for doing it. We appreciate it. Thank you, Rachel. Take care. The Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.